don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, have you been tuning in to the, the Wednesday podcast for the last few weeks or so, then you already know what I'm about to tell you. It was a rough day for our markets today, and the streak continues. The, the running joke between Kip and I that he gets the updates, and inversely, I seem to always get the down days, and they have fallen on, <laughs> certainly on Wednesdays recently here, and it was a rough day really all around for our market today. Not a whole lot of green out there. Um, I wish I could say that the red marked a red wave as well, uh, but it looks like it was not the red wave that we had hoped for. Uh, with votes still coming in here, which is unbelievable in and of itself, but there were a few positives from yesterday's voting. It does look like the Republicans will take back control of the House here. Um, and controlling the Senate is still very much a possibility here as well, which will mean that Biden will now be a lame duck president. Uh, you know, that would be the best thing for our country overall. Not that he was getting a whole lot done before. It was his handlers, obviously, as I think many in our audience here uh, have voiced to us, they believe as well. Uh, but in our view, it, it actually helps what we've been talking about here a lot, which is that now is the time for Biden to make the Bill Clinton pivot here. Come back, you know, he ran on a very liberal agenda, coming back at least more toward the middle from here. That view certainly remains in place, which would be very bullish for our markets. Remember, Bill Clinton still has the record as the best president from a stock market performance point of view. So if he could pull that off here, you know, we could be looking at a very good next two years for the stock market until we can get this guy out of office. But because our voting system is just so incredibly broken, we won't know the final results for a little bit longer here, I'm sure that even as I'm speaking right now, more results have come across, uh, but we'll come back to it on future podcasts here. I mean, it's just, it is humorous though, as I'm sure many of you can remember that before 2020, I mean, it was unheard of to not know the results of an election the night of. I mean, you might find out later that night there could be some runoffs. Um, you know, they're really the only instance I can think of in recent memory was the Bush Gore uh, debacle in Florida. But if they're even in a foreign country, if the results didn't come back the same day as voting, the media would start to present as being concerned that, hey, there's something funny happening here. We didn't get the results back tonight. What's going on in that country? But now, after 2020, it seems to be the norm. Uh, you saw, I'm sure you saw a ton of headlines about it. You know, Don't be concerned if we don't get the results the night of. Even going as far to say that uh, if, if it looks like a red wave the night of, it could be more of a red mirage because they're still tallying all the votes. I mean, I just... 
apparently everybody is fine with this now on the left, which is just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, we'll come back to that here, uh, as I mentioned, and we'll see what, what Republicans can pull off, if they can manage to get control of the Senate as well as the House. Unfortunately, on the political side, it looks like Kevin McCarthy has thrown his hat in to be the next Speaker of the House, which I'm sure many of you will agree as well that that would be awful, awful, awful. Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. I mean, really, if, if you're truly a conservative, you know that these people are terrible conservatives. They're bad Republicans even. Uh, really a cancer to the Republican Party. I mean, this is those are the same people we throw in there with the Mitt Romneys of the world, with the John McCain's of the world, the people that this party needs to leave behind and never come back to. They are 100% uniparty members through and through here. And I just spoke to Kip uh, as we do before the podcast every day, and this kind of hit me as well while we were talking, is that those two probably loved these midterm results here because it gives them some ammo to go after the Trump crowd, right? If they can say, well, you know, with a absolutely terrible economy from what he inherited as far as Biden goes, inflation at 40-year highs, and we couldn't manage to pull off a red wave here, uh, then they could say something like, oh, it must be because of Trump. It must be because of his policies. You know, start to pass the blame onto him for really what is are their mistakes here. But the media, of course, will, will run with their story on that. And, hey, Republicans are bashing Trump here. Uh, you can just see that narrative already taking shape here. Uh, and then Mitch McConnell and, and Kevin McCarthy and their ilk taking advantage of that kind of a narrative. So hopefully I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong on that. But, you know, if Kevin McCarthy becomes Speaker of the House, uh, I mean, he's not a whole lot better than Nancy Pelosi being in there in all, in all reality. Uh, it might seem like it on the surface, but with what actually gets done, uh, you know, we I wouldn't expect very much from him at all. Uh, but all right, so on to the next couple topics of the day. Now, for the market, all eyes are on tomorrow's CPI report. And based on today's action, if it's any indicator, uh, it could be a bit of a hot number as well. But overall, as we look into the end of the year and beyond, we fully still believe that the post-midterm rally is getting ready to take hold here. We've entered the best time of the year to be in the market, and we know that the year after midterms, especially the third year of a president's term, has consistently been one of the best periods to be in the market. It's a perfect 18 for 18 track record going back to the 1950s of the stock market being higher from this point to 12 months from now. We continue to see that as the case, even if we get a hot CPI print tomorrow. As, as we see it here, we'll soon begin to see favorable prints, at least improving prints from inflation. Now, that will not be any thanks to the Federal Reserve raising rates. I'm sure they'll, they'll certainly take credit for that. Uh, 
<laughs> but really what's happened here and the story that really only economists will be talking about is that it isn't interest rates. It's the fact that the Federal Reserve has finally stopped the money printing machine really in the last 12 months. Uh, you know, money supply versus a year ago is only ticked up slightly, even decreased slightly in some regards. And that's the biggest story that no one is talking about. Raising interest rates only helps to slow inflation so much it curbs demand, right? But it's not the solution that people think that it is. Money supply is the driving factor there. It is if you look at a true economic definition of inflation, it's all about money supply. So now, and it takes about a year from the time that money supply peaks to start to get that pullback from the inflation readings. Uh, so if we start to get better inflation numbers, then the Federal Reserve can begin to take their foot off the brake once again unleashing animal spirits back into this market to the bullish side. But there is one other factor out there that could turn into a bit of a black swan here. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about it. And it's it's the crypto story that's happening right now. And if you, if you haven't been following it, I'll try to break it down here quickly from a surface level. And this again could be the black swan kind of event that forces the Federal Reserve to take its foot off the brake, forces them to go back quickly even to some form of quantitative easing, even if it's the reverse repo type of quantitative easing, which they refer to as QE light. Um, so to try to break this down really quickly here, the largest crypto exchange in the world is called Binance. Binance recently entered into a non-binding agreement to buy at least part of one of their rivals, which is FTX. You may recognize that name. They've done a ton of advertising. They also have the naming rights to the Miami Heat Stadium uh, in Miami. And they spent a ton on Super Bowl ads as well. But now it does not look like that money was very well spent. The CEO, uh, Sam, I always mess up his name here. Um, and now I'm blanking on it. Sam Bank, Bank Floyd. Ah, I'm, I'm forgetting it now. Um, it goes by SBF. That, there we go. That's close enough at least. Uh, you know, he actually just saw an interview with him before the podcast as well, talking about, you know, how there was such a lack of transparency in 2008. And that's really what caused the problem. We didn't know who's who held everything until after it was all said and done and broken down. Well, it looks like he is one of the masters of projection as well, because it looks like something similar may have happened there as well. Is after the news broke last week that they entered this non-binding agreement, Binance, to purchase part of FTX, the FTX token that they've used, which I believe is FTT, began to collapse from a value of $25 a coin to now roughly $350 a coin there. And a lot of their value was tied up in this coin as well. So it created a liquidity crisis for FTX. And keep in mind, I mean, this isn't 
some Dogecoin out there, you know, or another one of the shit coins as they call them. This was an exchange for cryptocurrencies that earlier this year was valued at $32 billion. They had a $400 million round of capital raised just earlier this year. And now people are already referring to this as cryptocurrencies Lehman Brothers moment here. Uh, so the CEO, uh, Sam Blankman free. There we go. Got it. Got it that time. He, I mean, he's already seen his net worth drop from above 13 billion to below 1 billion now. I mean, basically overnight, the guy went from being a billionaire to just being extremely rich. <laughs> um, but on that news today, uh, and getting down to kind of the, the, the factors that matter most for this podcast, at least is that all major cryptocurrencies are significantly lower today. Bitcoin below 16,000 now today. It's down over 15% right now. That's its lowest level since November of 2020, hitting lows of two years now. And I'll get to the prices later in the podcast, but we saw that bleed over into the public crypto companies as well. The one that makes the most sense, of course, is Coinbase. Uh, you know, really made its money and went public as a purely crypto exchange down over nine and a half percent. Another one is Robinhood, which does have crypto exposure. They really got famous as the first trading platform to do commission free trading. Now we know why it was because they were front running all of their investors by selling their order flow. So if you use Robinhood, I mean, if you haven't gotten out of that platform already, uh, you know, now would be the time to get your funds elsewhere out of there. Um, but they began taking cryptocurrencies over the last couple of years. Robinhood was down nearly 14% today. Uh, and the other ones as well, like the crypto miners and down anywhere from seven to 15% as well on the day. Uh, so unfortunately for the crypto crowd, it doesn't look like that pain is about to come to an end. Some of the cryptos, you know, and I, and I believe me, I love the idea of cryptocurrency here. And I want to get away from the central banking model. And I certainly don't think that central bank digital currencies are the answer. You've probably heard me talk about that a lot here, but some of the other ones have held up a little bit better than Bitcoin. Uh, but again, Bitcoin down over 15% in the last 24 hours now. Uh, so, Really, the big news here and why I say the pain doesn't look to be over is that right at the close today, Binance announced that they will not pursue that non-binding agreement to, to purchase part of FTX. And they cited mismanagement of customer funds, possible uh, investigations coming their way. And keep in mind, FTX prided themselves on being open to regulation and open uh, for regulators as well. And now people aren't able to get their funds off the platform. So again, if you're on platforms like Robinhood, you know, get out of there soon. If you're on Coinbase and you believe in, in, in cryptocurrencies, you want to hold on to them, get them off of Coinbase as well. Uh, these platforms do not have your best interest at heart. And if they do have a liquidity crisis, you will not be able to draw out your funds there. Uh, much like a bank, they take your holdings and leverage them to make their own investments as well. And unfortunately, it's not good 
for the stock market either. Uh, and, you know, hopefully this isn't the beginning of some sort of liquidity contagion like we saw in 2008. Uh, but it is the kind of event that could pull the Federal Reserve out of its hawkish tone very quickly and get them back to some form of quantitative easing. We hope that isn't the case. Uh, we're still watching this play out in the early innings here. But our market action was not good on the day either. Uh, we finished lower across the board and really just finished at the lows or just off of the lows of the day. Uh, small caps leading the way lower down 2.68% to 1,760. We were followed there by the NASDAQ down just under 2.5% to 10,353. Next up, the S&P down just over 2% to 3,748. And lastly, the Dow Jones tried to hold on to its 200-day moving average all day today, just breaking below it before the close, down just under 2% to 32,513. That's a loss of 646 points for the Dow Jones today. Looking at our internals, uh, you know, not, not good numbers here either. Uh, declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, over 4 to 1 negative on the NYSE, NASDAQ slightly better, but not much, just over three to one negative. 52 week highs to lows, we had 680 stocks hitting 52 week lows to just 122 hitting 52 week highs. Um, you know, some slight improvement there, I guess, uh, not improvement over the last few weeks, but 122 stocks is, it could have been worse there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Then lastly, volume. Very negative as well. Uh, roughly 90% downside volume today from the NYSE. A uh, little bit better than that for the NASDAQ. And I want to pull up the put call ratio today. Let's see where we where we landed there. You know, not extra, I mean, definitely leaning towards uh, the put buying side. We finished around a one, which is elevated. The average there is a, is a 0.7 uh, for the ratio. Uh, but not quite capitulation level readings, which are usually closer to 1.2 or so there. Next up, our sectors on the day today. Our leader, if you want to call it that, were utilities, followed by healthcare and real estate. Our laggards on the day has been our best sector lately. Uh, it just hit an all-time high earlier this week as the sector was energy, but oil prices getting hit hard today. I'll get to that here in a second followed there by consumer discretionary and tech. Let's see where the semis finished today as well. Also, you know, pretty close to their lows of the day today, just barely off of it, but down 2.7% for the semis, which have had a pretty good run other than today. Um, yeah, so for the rest of our sectors, communication services and financials also trailing uh, on the day today. Looking at our commodities now, no relief here from the red today. Gold now down four tenths of 1% to $1,709 an ounce. Silver down bigger, almost 2% to $21.08 an ounce. Copper holding up a little better, still down 0.26% to $3.67 a pound. And oil down as well today to 3.75% to $85.58 a barrel. Really. You know, all, all hope now is for those midterm stats to ring true here, uh, that we can get a rally, a big rally 
over the next 12 months with at the very least the Biden administration being handicapped uh, by at least not having control of the House and hopefully not control of the Senate as well. Uh, finally for today though, crypto, as you heard me mention earlier, rough day today, Bitcoin hitting its lowest level since November of 2020, now down over 15% and below 16,000 of Bitcoin at 15,821 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.